Thanks guys, it's a pleasure to be with you again this morning here at Exchange as we come to this really important part of our service as we open up God's Word to allow the Gospel to speak deep into our hearts, changing us into the image of Jesus from one degree of glory to another. My name is Todd Hall, I'm the lead pastor here and it is a privilege and a pleasure to meet with a community of people uh, to grow Christ in our hearts and lives and see Christ also intersecting in the community and see people find wholeness and joy and redemption through the gospel of the good news of Jesus. We get to do that as a community. At the moment, though, we're still socially distancing and doing church online. Uh, I want to say thank you for Roz for reading the Bible for us today. Thank you so much, Roz, for doing that and the rest of the team as we all pitch in together uh, to play our part to put together our services online each week. It's really fantastic to see a real team effort coming together to do these things, plus all the people on the other side of the camera that you can't see that are working tirelessly as well to put these things together for us. Uh, we are working through the book of Colossians, a great book, a series called Jesus, More Than Enough, and he truly is more than enough. So we've been going at it now for a few weeks, and we're going to be back into it again today. Let me um, turn that on. So back into it today, and uh, as we set up for today's talk here, which is going to come from Colossians chapter 2, uh, I'm sure all of you have done this at some time. Uh, you get the flat pack from home, you might have bought something from Ikea, you might have bought something from Bunnings, and it could be flat packed, and you're super excited to put this thing together. Uh, outcome, uh, you, you pull out the instructions, you lay out all the parts, you get the alum keys that normally come with the pack, you might get a screwdriver as well and a few other things, and then away you go. You're just keen to put this thing together. You're working away, you're putting one bowl in after the other, you're lining things up, you put it all together, and you find at the end when you stand up this structure and put it up, it's leaning. It's leaning to one side a little bit. And you look at it confused. And think, now, what have I done? How did I get to this? I thought I followed the instructions really carefully and, and closely. And you're a bit confused. What do you do then? Well, generally, you might phone a friend. Sometimes you phone a friend, depending on what size it is. But generally, you go back to the foundations of what you were doing. You go back to the instructions again and follow them through and see whether you've missed a step or not, or you've lost your way in putting together this construction. And then you do find a gap sometimes, and then you put that piece into place, and all of a sudden this thing looks fantastic, and you get a great thrill out of seeing this completion. Foundations are really, really important. It's really important to go back sometimes to the foundations and see where we may have got things wrong. And that's what Paul's going to do somewhat today for us here in Colossians chapter 2. So if you've got your Bibles, please go with us to chapter 2 again. We were there last week and we're going to read from verses 6 through to 15. So uh, follow with me now. Therefore, as you received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. See to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit according to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the world, and not according to Christ. For in him the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily, and you have been filled in him who is the head of all rule and authority. In him also you were circumcised with a circumcision made without hands by putting off the body of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ, having been buried with him in baptism, in which you also were raised with him through faith in the powerful working of God who raised him from the dead. And you, who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him, having forgiven, or, having forgiven us all our trespasses 
by cancelling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. He disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them in him. Let us pray, guys. Father, we thank you this morning that we can come before you and open up uh, this precious gift that you've given to us. Father, we thank you for the Bible. We thank you for the scriptures. We thank you for the book of Colossians today. And we would ask, Holy Spirit, as we come now, please open up our eyes again to bring us back to the foundations, the very foundations of the gospel, that we were once dead in our sins, but you have made us alive, Lord Jesus, by your life, death and resurrection, by your work, Holy Spirit, and by your love in our hearts, Father. So I pray, help us to come back to these foundations today, to help us have real clarity going forward and see what a glorious thing you have done for us. Let that fill our hearts with worship and praise and glory for your holy name. Lord, we ask that this morning and we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, if there's a theme or a truth about God that Paul comes back to time and time again in most, nearly, sorry, not most, all of his letters, it's got to be the cross of Jesus Christ. Paul wrote a number of letters to the, in the New Testament, and this is a main central theme of Paul's. It's about the cross. It's about the gospel. For Paul, the more he saw of the cross and the finished work of Jesus Christ, the more he grasped, as it were, an enlarging vision of who God is. The cross is absolutely central to the Christian faith. You'll drive past churches, you'll see crosses up there, you'll see crosses on uh, websites, you'll see crosses on stationery, you'll see crosses in a whole range of places. It is central to the Christian faith, the cross of Jesus Christ. Their very foundations are built upon the gospel at the cross with Jesus. This is where Paul wants to continue with the Colossians here. He wants them to see this. Paul wants the Colossians to see an enlarging picture of Jesus alone defeating sin and Satan and reuniting people back to, cross, back to God at the cross. That central part of our faith. Paul wants the Colossians to grow in the gospel, to discover a glorious God who brings us life and freedom through the death of his son, a glorious act that God does in our hearts and lives uh, by the working of his Holy Spirit. The Colossians, where are they at the moment? They're being influenced by others saying that you need something else along with Jesus to reach God and find fullness in him. It's not Jesus alone. It's Jesus plus something else. Well, Paul will have none of that. That is just not going to figure in Paul's mind at all. So he's bringing them back to the foundations here of the gospel. And here is our big idea as we think about that today. And it's this. Jesus has taken us from death to life. And this life that Jesus has brought us to now fills our hearts with God's glory and wonder. That's our big idea today that we've taken from death to life. So let's start here by thinking about these foundations and seeing first off where it all happens. Paul is helping to see the Colossians here to see they need nothing else other than Jesus Christ. And to help them see that, he brings them back to the basics of the gospel, which so powerfully does communicate God's grace into our lives. Paul reminds them and us where we once were before Jesus came along. 
reminding us where we once were before Jesus came along. Where were we before Jesus? We were dead in our sins. Look at what it says there in verse 13. And you, you who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh. Paul doesn't mince any words there. He's straight off the bat with fairly graphic sort of language. That's strong language there. Paul, they were dead. We were dead in our trespasses and sins. Talk about take the wind out of your sail stuff. But that's the truth of the gospel when we look at it in its foundations uh, as it works to our lives. What does Paul mean, though, when he says, dead in my trespasses? What are trespasses? What does it mean to trespass? To trespass before God means I've crossed over the moral boundaries of God's rules for living as his creation. Uh, it's just like you might see the signs on a fence of a factory or a farm or wherever it some, might be sometimes. And the sign says, all trespassers will be prosecuted. In other words, if you come onto this property and you cross over the boundary, you're in trouble. Trespassing, trespassers will be prosecuted. So... In that sense, with God and crossing over his moral boundaries, when we lie, when we gossip, when we have bitterness in our hearts, when we are jealous, when we get angry, and there's a whole range of other things I can say there as well. When we carry those things out in our lives, whether they're hidden away in our hearts, just harboring them in there, or actually uh, letting them all out, as sometimes we do, these are all things that God forbids. When we do that, we've trespassed against God's moral law, written in our hearts, written in our conscience. These trespasses here, we are told, against God have left us dead. Now, you might think, well, I'm not sure what that means. Dead. What does that mean? That means that our spiritual relationship with God has been cut off. It's been severed because of our trespasses. In a spiritual sense, we are not alive before God. We're dead. We're actually unresponsive to God and his glory. We don't even get moved by it. When somebody who uh, hasn't seen who God is, cut off spiritually, as it were, they're totally unmoved if somebody talks about God with them. It does nothing for them. Why? Because they're dead spiritually before God. Physically, very much alive. No question about that at all. But spiritually, no connection to God whatsoever. Dead. Paul says dead in our trespasses. Where has this deadness, though, spiritually speaking, where, where has it left us in this world? What are its consequences or what are the flow and effects of this deadness? See, the world we live in, it's broken. It's not right. Something's wrong. And we all sense that the world we live in is subjected to much futility and emptiness and dissatisfaction. Ask yourself these questions here. Why do we have these unfulfilled relationships? Why do we have broken families? Why do we have failure and dissatisfaction? Why do we have this deep longing inside of us for something, but we can never seem to fulfill it? Why is it sometimes when we seem to have achieved so much that this world has got to offer that we still feel empty? Why is that? 
I heard this story about the, Boris Becker the other day, which really was highlights or illustrates this principle really, really well. Boris Becker won the Wimbledon Tennis Championships uh, at the age of 18 years. Now, that's uh, unbelievable. 18-year-old taking out that prestigious tour, probably the pinnacle of uh, tennis around the world. At the very same time as he won that tournament, we're told that Boris Becker was actually fighting off deep suicidal thoughts. Now, I find that astounding. Here he is, reached what we think is the ultimate in his sporting career, but that left him empty. That left him still with a massive hole in his life. Boris Becker still couldn't find what he was looking for. You see, much that we see in this world is beautiful. And sometimes it just takes our breath away when we see such glorious sights. But when we are dead to God spiritually, life has left this massive hole with us. There's something missing. And we'll try and find a million things as were to, to plug that hole and to fill that gap, only to find nothing fits. It seems to fall right through and it goes right through the cracks. So, so why do we have these problems of life? Because we've trespassed against God. We've stepped over God's moral boundaries and now we reap the consequences of our choices. This could be your first time here with us at Exchange Church. This could be your first time joining us online. If that's the case, welcome. Welcome. We are always pleased to have new people come and connect with us here at Exchange. It's our pleasure to tell you about Jesus Christ, who fills our life with forgiveness of sins and also opens our eyes up to the glory of a wonderful God. Now, us and the Colossians are no different here as we think about this. All humans are the same. There's a sense where we are made as relational, spiritual beings looking for something. But Paul's reminding them again, and us today, where we once were, if we're outside of Christ. You were dead in your trespasses against God. We are guilty. We were guilty before God of crossing over his good, right, moral boundaries. That's where we were. And he's reminded the Colossians again of this. Not only does he do that, but he reminds the Colossians of this as well. What God did for us in our guilty, undeserving, dead state. God forgave us of all our trespasses. Look again in the last part of verse 13 and in verse 14. Having forgiven us all our trespasses by cancelling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. Now that is good news. That is the best news you can ever, ever hear. And Paul is reminding the Colossians once more about this. That God has forgiven us. He's washed our trespasses away. Now every single one of us has a record of debt against God. Without exception, every single person has a record of debt against God. All of our trespasses. All of our stepping over the boundaries of God's good and right moral law, which is breaking his law, is like a list a mile long. We've got that record. It's, a, it's as long as your arm. The rap sheet or the criminal record that stands before us it speaks condemnation. It speaks guilt. And what have we got to say for, us, well, uh, say for ourselves when we see that record against us? Nothing in ourselves. But Paul's reminded the Colossians here again, look at what God has done for us. The record of debt 
the rap sheet, a mile long, stands against us, has been forgiven. It's been forgiven. The record has been cancelled in Jesus Christ when he was nailed to the cross. All of our trespasses, all of our sin, were nailed together with Christ to the cross of Calvary. All of our bitterness, all of our sexual sin, all of our gossiping, all of our lying, all of our jealousy, all of our hatred, all of our anger, and everything else that crosses over God's moral boundary was nailed to Jesus on the cross. And the word cancelled there carries significant meaning. It means erased or obliterated, never to be seen again, never to be held against us ever again. And not just a partial deletion that you might do on a computer hard drive and only to sort of see it come back again, but we're talking a full and complete deletion. All of our trespasses have been erased off our records. There is no record of debt standing against God. Doesn't matter what you've done or how often you have done it. Jesus has nailed it to the cross and paid the debt in full. That's huge. Some people might think, I can't believe Jesus has done that. He hasn't seen my life. He hasn't seen what I've done. Yes, he has. He's seen it all. He hasn't missed anything. But he took it all upon himself and he nailed it to the cross and he cancelled that debt. It's gone. That's good news for the Colossians who are being told here that you need to have something else other than Jesus to sort out your record of debt. He's not enough. No, Paul's saying, Jesus has done it all. Nothing else is required. Thank you, Jesus. I can't believe that. Not only is it good news for the Colossians, it's good news for us as well. I read this the other day here about Martin Luther, the great reformer from the 15th century, who had this very vivid dream one night. And the dream was like this. The devil came into his room in the middle of this dream one night, and he brought with him a whole bunch of scrolls with all of Luther's uh, trespasses, all of Luther's, Luther's sins laid out on these scrolls. And scroll after scroll was unrolled before Martin Luther in this dream. And Satan called out every sin of Martin Luther's, every trespass, everything that he'd said or done or thought and committed by Martin Luther, Satan read them all out. And Luther said that he just lay there as it were guilt-ridden, absolutely riddled with guilt. And as Satan prepared to leave that room in this dream, leaving Luther in this absolutely miserable state, Martin Luther whispered this out to Satan. It is true. Every word of it. I've done them all. But right across all of it, the blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son, cleanses us from all sin. That's powerful. It is so, so true. So we too today have the same confession as the Colossians and Martin Luther. Satan may bring up your past sins and other people may bring up your past sins and they might pour guilt upon you and condemnation potentially upon you as well. And you may have heard that you need to do something else to get rid of your past sins. The debt has been cancelled. There's no more to pay. Jesus has nailed those sins to his body on that cross of Calvary 2,000 years ago. It is finished. 
Now, not only has sin been cancelled in that sense, and that's great and glorious, but Jesus has also broken sin's power over our lives as well. Look in verse 15 where he says it follows on from 14 about the cross. He says there in verse 15, he disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them in him. This gives us a glorious picture, a picture that Jesus has disarmed Satan of his two greatest weapons. And what are they? Sin and death. That's what he holds over us, traps us in sin and in death. Satan holds sin and death over us while we are dead in our trespasses before God and against God. He keeps us, as it were, in a bondage of lifestyle, trapped in this cycle of blindness, of not seeing God, but condemned of sin. But when Christ comes to us, when the Holy Spirit unveils the gospel to us, here's what Jesus has done through the cross and has made available to us. He smashes that power. He breaks that power of sin over our lives. It no longer has to be the chains that bind us up and hold us back and hold us down. Jesus has given us a whole new sense of ability to overcome life's challenges and life's bondages of sin in his power. Because he's defeated both sin and death for us. And his spirit dwells within us today to help us overcome. Sin's debt has been paid. And sin's power has been broken over our lives. That's good news for the Colossians. And that's good news for us today as well. As Paul brings them back to the foundations of the gospel. But that's not all about the gospel. There's more to it than that as well. Forgiveness of our trespasses is superb and amazing and undeserved in what Christ has done for us. But Jesus just doesn't leave us there in that forgiven state and that powerful state of being able to overcome uh, sin's power. It says also there, he makes us alive. Look in verse 13, the middle part of verse 13 again, which is really important for us. And you, who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh. Like, put a line there and let's read the next bit. God made alive together with him, having forgiven us all our trespasses. God made alive together with him. God made alive. What does that mean for us? Well, if we were spiritually dead, we're now spiritually alive. This is the relationship that God brings us into with the gospel. When God opened up our eyes to see what Jesus has done for us at the cross... To pay our debt of sin, to see the Holy Spirit, as it were, unveil our eyes to now, I believe who Jesus is and what he's done for me. He also opened up our eyes to a whole new world. And this is what happens when you become a believer, trusting in Christ. It's like all of a sudden the world around about us becomes a whole new place. Everything becomes different. You've got something new that you're seeing this all through. So what do I mean when I say that? You see, when God makes us alive by Christ and fills us with him, as we saw that in verses 8 and 9 as well, we're filled with Christ. As it were, the eyes of my understanding are opened up and the whole of life now becomes centered around God. The whole of life becomes centered around God. Everything I see in life now, I see through the lens of God's glory. I see it all glorifying God. I see a universe created by God. I don't just see stars and planets. 
I see God's handiwork at work. I stand at the seashore and I look out over this vast and mighty ocean and I consider all of the marine life that is out there and I think, that's you, Lord. You've done that. Every wave that crashes against the rocks at this this ocean, it's at your command. All of the marine life that are carrying on like a whole other world below the water, every fish of the sea, you give life to those fish, Lord. You've created those fish in that marine life. When I sit down to delicious food of all types and varieties, and we all enjoy food, I say this, this is you, Lord. You've created all food to enjoy. It's not just food, it's something you've created. I sit down to a chicken parmesan and I say, delicious. But Lord, you've provided this. This is you, Lord. This is your glory manifested through food. When I look around at friends that I have, I see the image of God stamped upon them. And I see my friends or my company here now on a whole new level. I enjoy them at a whole other uh, strata of life. Why? Because my eyes have been opened up to who they really are. They're made in the image of God. They're not just human beings. They're human beings made in the image of God. And I enjoy them at a whole new level. And conversely, when someone treats me badly, I see them with a new set of eyes as well because I'm now alive in God. Before, I may have seen them with eyes of hate and anger and just wanted to square the ledger. But now that I'm alive in Christ and fully alive, God helps me to see them just like me. Who am I? I'm like them. I'm a broken vessel. I'm a work in progress. I'm not there yet. I'm not perfect. Yes, they've got faults. And yes, they have truly hurt me. But as I understand this about people, that they are broken too, it enables me to love them with a whole new perspective, a new mindset. You see, this is what happens when God makes us alive. We see everything new. When I'm alive in God like this, life begins to make sense. I can't explain everything that takes place because I can't see God's workings behind it, but I can grasp the big picture that God is working in my life for his glory and for my good. I can get that even though I may not understand it. So whatever is happening in my life, I can rest confidently now that I'm fully alive in God, that he's using this to continue to grow me in the gospel. All of life, now that I'm fully alive, finds its absolute center around God. In Christ, I'm absolutely satisfied wherever I might find myself and whatever circumstances I might be going through. I see this evidenced every day in believers in persecuted countries. They have nothing, sometimes absolutely nothing. Yet these people are absolutely satisfied in life. Why? Because they are fully alive in God. That's the power of the gospel. That's what Paul's bringing back to the Colossians here, the foundations. You see, Paul writes to the Colossians to bring them back to the gospel. They're being confused about where they're at in life at the moment. And they're being confused about their past life as well. People are telling them, you need something else in your life to make your life complete with God. Jesus is not enough. You need to add this. You need to add that. Something else. Paul reminds them again about our solid gospel foundations in Christ. 
And this can happen to any of us as well. We can find ourselves in the same situation as the Colossians are. We can have seasons of where life is overwhelming and uncertain. It can happen like that sometimes. This can be due to our dullness in the gospel. So not treasuring Christ as we should and not seeing him as our supreme delight. That can be part of the season we could be going through. Or the season could be due to the fact that we just live in a broken world with fallen circumstances. And we experience that drama in this world. The numbers of ways of why we can get confused and lose sight and get, uh, but can't see where we're going at times in this life. And when that happens, when we're in that season of challenge, we lose the vision of our fullness in Christ and what he's given to us. And we can grow weak in the fullness of the life that God brings to us. These things begin to burn lower and we grow dull in that. And when that takes place, boredom can kick in. Dissatisfaction can kick in. Emptiness can kick in because we're not filling ourselves up on Christ. And when that happens, we can find ourselves getting easily pulled away from God and substituting other things for God to find our meaning in life, to find our purpose in life, to find what life is really all about. And you know, sometimes I can't explain the way I feel why I feel. Sometimes I can't. I can't explain why I feel the way I feel. Life just seems oppressive and crushing, and I don't know why. Things just seem heavy at times. And that's okay when it's like that. Sometimes life is unexplainable. But when this happens to me, I take Paul's advice. I refocus my life back on the gospel. What do I do? I come back to the foundations. I come back to the foundations of Jesus Christ and what he secured for me. It's a bit like that flat pack at the start. When something's wrong, I go back to the start and I see where maybe I've lost my way. What do I see? I see this, that I was dead in my sins. That I was utterly unable to do anything and undeserving of anything of God. I was hopeless. I was helpless. I didn't want God. But then I see this, that God in sheer sovereign grace and mercy comes and he breathes life into my dead soul. He opens up my blind eyes. He unstops my deaf ears. I now can see Jesus. I can now hear the gospel. And I discover that Jesus has come and rescued me by nailing all my trespasses to the cross upon himself. This has been done for me. What I do deserve, Jesus actually takes on my behalf. And what I don't deserve, Jesus now gives to me on his behalf. It's amazing when you th- what I do deserve, God's wrath, Jesus now takes that on his behalf. And what I don't deserve, which is God's mercy and grace, Jesus now gives to me on his behalf. This is what we want to do here at Exchange, is connect people to Jesus and to grow people in Jesus to show this massive exchange that takes place. And do you know what this does for me when I do this? When I begin to reflect again upon the foundations of the gospel and think about that in my life, the Holy Spirit takes that truth and helps me to see another glimpse of God's glory in the gospel that I'm a uh, benefit from. And, And you know what happens when I begin to see that? This begins to clear the confusion out of my mind. 
begins to lift me out of my spiritual dullness as I reflect again upon what Christ has done for me. It begins to, as it were, take the, the, the clouds of doubt or the, or the shadows of challenges away as I come back to the foundations of the gospel and see what the Lord has done for me. Sometimes this happens quickly. Sometimes it happens slowly. But my heart begins to lift with a refreshed view of Jesus. And I'm sure that's what's going to happen for the Colossians as they come back to the foundations and see it's the finished work of Christ. Now, when that happens, not always, but very often, my heart wants to explode in worship and adoration of Christ because I've seen what he has done for me and who he recreates me to be. I see that I am absolutely unworthy and undeserving, but he pours his love into my heart and demonstrates that of the cross. And it lifts me, as it were, out of that dullness. It fills my heart with hope and fills my heart with clarity and direction. Precisely what Paul's going to do for the Colossians today. And I pray that it will do the same for you. Because that's where I find my rest. My rest is found in Christ alone at the finished work of Calvary and in his resurrection. And you know what? Just as that promise is for the Colossians 2,000 years ago, that promise is for us today as well. If only we will put our trust in Christ, we can enter into that relationship. Let me pray. Lord, I thank you today that we can uh, gather together this morning here online. Father, I thank you again for the gospel. Lord, the old, old gospel. Such a powerful truth, Lord. Really, this is something where we would have 10,000 reasons to praise your holy name. We have more than 10,000 reasons, Lord. But if we just come back to that very foundation, realign our hearts with that, I thank you, Lord, that your Holy Spirit takes that truth as it were, begins to lift our heart out of doubt or fear or condemnation or any of those things. We see that our sins, when we were dead in our trespasses, those sins have been nailed to the cross. The debt has been cancelled. We are set free from the penalty of sin. The power of sin is broken over our lives. And Lord, we look forward to the day when sin is totally removed from our lives as well, where there's no presence of sin with us. And we see that in glory in heaven. Help those today, Lord, who are struggling with it. Help those today, Lord, who are weighed down with challenges, maybe condemnation or maybe guilt, or maybe someone's telling them they need to do something else to find forgiveness. Help us all to come back to the foundations, back to the gospel, the finished work of Christ. And I pray, Holy Spirit, let that lift our hearts today in faith, hope and love and in joy as we celebrate Jesus. Father, I ask that now and I pray that now in Jesus' precious and holy name. Amen. Guys, thank you so much for joining with us today here at Exchange Church. Uh, we would love to connect with you. If you're joining for the first time, please, uh, you'll see on the bottom of the screen there now, it says info at exchangechurch.org.au. Please drop us an email. We would love to connect with you. We'd love to meet new people. So please do that, and uh, we will definitely come back to you from there. Uh, we're going to close now with the song, so let me pass back to the music team as we sing a song to close. Thank you. <laughs>